You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. For those of you listeners who know my background a bit, you might remember the stories of my first few jobs after college. From being a mall cop to selling makeup door to door, I realized that I had skills that were being underutilized and that these minimum wage jobs couldn't support me or last forever. I spent years going through YouTube, reading books, listening to podcasts, and taking enough online courses to reinvent myself as a professional copywriter and digital marketer. Years later, thanks to my side hustles and drive, I've worked with national news outlets, multi-million dollar tech startups, nonprofits, and celebrities to build their brands and drive sales. None of this could have happened if I didn't develop in-demand skills. I had to do this alone, but you don't have to. You have Hustlers University 2.0. Hustlers University 2.0 is a community where you can learn real skills to earn money online today, starting with side hustles you can use to elevate your game. I'm not just an advocate for Hustlers University. I'm also a student. Every professor is verified to be making 10K to 500K monthly in their selected field. You get full resources, lesson plans, and an active community of thousands of other Hustlers University students working on skills such as stock analysis, cryptocurrencies, e-commerce, copywriting, which was my favorite course, one I actually went ahead and took last month. And as a copywriter of seven years, I even took a ton out of that, including some of the resources I was able to take over to my day job. You also learn freelancing, financial planning, affiliate marketing, business management, and so much more. If you're tired of depending on a boss who hates you to deliver your paycheck or have learned since the lockdowns that controlling the source of your income is vital to your individual freedom, sign up for Hustlers University 2.0 today using the link in the show notes. I'll see you there. things formally i kind of just jump into things okay well you can like edit things together and all that good stuff so oh yeah, yeah. better than my live where we end up really ridiculous and <laughs> i get a lot of shit especially from candidates i don't know why candidates ever want to come on my show i'm like you know this is a detriment to your campaign right <laughs> you know what you know what's funny when i started my my first podcast years ago my whole goal was to like be the independent media for libertarian candidates. And then I realized it it got to the point where it's like, you you just kind of, you just kind of hope that they show up and they have their clothes on. (laughs) I think I was on your show. I think you were like the first show I did when I was running for office. No, that was, I I was thinking about that when we were chatting, that was my friend, Tim Preuss, who was in Wisconsin. What's so weird is that he moved out of Wisconsin, like, within the year that I moved here because Tim ran the Tim Price podcast. He was like 
a way bigger show than me at the time, because around the time that he was getting really big, I was working at Young Americans for Liberty. I had just canceled my first podcast because I wrote a book called Stay Away from the Libertarians, which people took, <laughs> people took that way too fucking seriously. They didn't, they couldn't tell that it was a joke. Because they can't, they didn't read it first. No, because a lot of them couldn't read. Yeah. If they, if, they, if they had read it, they would have been like, oh, this is actually really good. And then they were just like, this guy's being mean to me. And it's like, shut the fuck up. But Tim was, Tim was really awesome. You know, as, as much as I give libertarian candidates, when I was at, when I was at YL, like I was the guy working for the PAC trying to get as many libertarian candidates in there as possible. That's how you and I met because I saw you were running in a, in Ohio at the time. And I'm like, you know, th- this lady has some personality. She could actually shake things up in the state race. Let's Except try and do y'all it. Y'all hates me. So. Well, y'all hates me. So, you know, there's no love <laughs> between anybody at this point. I don't know. I, I know, I know two people that work there now and one of them I'm cool with the other one can go suck a dick. But it's, uh, you know, it's, it's so weird how, how things change by today's like back then I was like, you know, the, the radical guy, the radical libertarian in the organization. Now I seem outright moderate compared to some of the people coming in and it's like, you know, you just can't win. So you might as well have fun in the process. Right. Now I work for, um, AFP, um, part-time since I volunteer for them for the last like five years. And, uh, I refuse to work for them for the longest time because they do, work for a lot of Republicans and fuck the Republicans, but they promised me I could do whatever I want. So how'd you get, how'd you get into activism and everything? Was it something that you kind of just found you had a passion for, or was it just something you kind of jumped into? Uh, so, um, when I was 16, it's actually like my favorite story to tell. So I have it very condensed now. Um, when I was 16, I just got my license and I was driving around small town, Ohio. And I saw a homemade sign that said Google Ron Paul. And uh, this was back in 2006. So before his 2000, it was right when his 2008 run was starting. And I had never heard of not only Ron Paul, but libertarianism. I didn't even care about politics, but I was bored and I Googled him and I saw that he wanted to legalize marijuana. And as a high school stoner, yay, I was totally down. So I started looking up um, everything else about this man. And that's when I learned about the Federal Reserve and learned about taxation, learned about the war on drugs, learned about the war on terror, terror, um, learned about all of that. And then uh, just ever since I was like, if I have this knowledge, I feel privileged to have this knowledge. I should share it. So I went to, um, about six months after I Googled Ron Paul, I went to an anti-war rally. I think it was Afghanistan war rally. And I just fell in love with the energy there. And I was, um, it was actually in the summer and I was in Portland, Oregon, visiting my mother. So Portland knows how to protest. (laughs) I mean, like, yeah, like, I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy. It's an understatement these days. Yeah. Um, it was, it was pretty crazy. And, uh, I went out there after I graduated from college. Um, I ended up going to school for political science because I was what I wanted to do the rest of my life. Um, basically qualified me to be a barista. Uh, so I was a um, mall cop after getting my BS in political science. Oh yeah. See, exactly. Um, it's I actually, can tell I, really, I can tell really good stories about governments killing people. And I can tell people that it's not a good idea to get them bigger. That's about it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like my own family just thinks that I'm ridiculous too. They don't listen to me when it comes to politics either. So I'm like, I, I went to school for this. They're like, yeah, like 10 years ago. Uh, so everything's changed, right? Yeah. So um, 
in 2011, I believe it was, um, I was out, yeah, it had to be 2011. I was out in Portland, um, and I had just started, I actually went to law school for an entire semester. <laughs> um, I went out to Oregon for law school and I went to an Occupy, um, Occupy Portland, which we ended up camping out for five weeks. And I started a, a Ron Paul camp <laughs> and inside of it. And I just went and talked to everyone and listened to their stories and listened to why they believe the way they did. And I mean, we ended up going from like five Ron Paul supporters to probably 150. And I mean, we just, it just seeing that listening to people and meeting people where they are and seeing where we could build coalitions just really got me, like watching minds change just really got me into activism. And then, you know, I decided after that to take my activism from the streets to the state house. So now I am a pain in their ass. When you actually started running in, uh, in 2018, was there anything that surprised you about actually getting to be a candidate for a change or was it all pretty much stuff that you were like, huh, you know, I, I kind of saw this coming, but it's weird that now I'm the person that they're kind of going after for this stuff. Uh, well, I had been a campaign manager um, a bunch of times and I had worked behind the scenes, which I much prefer. Um, I I think one big thing I learned is that, um, which I should have known, but the candidate's not the boss. The candidate <laughs> doesn't get to decide. And you have to listen to your campaign team. You have to listen to your campaign manager. They tell you to be somewhere, you be somewhere. Your job is to get money and shake hands. Um, your, you know, your job is to knock doors. Your job is not to decide everything. So having to have statements on my behalf go out from not me, um, and you, that was really hard. And while I was running, you know, I'm, as some people remember, they, the Republican party, uh, challenged my, well, they actually challenged my right to vote and said that it was because that in 2016, so two years prior, I had a different last name and it's funny because I got married in 2017. And so, yeah, I had a different last name. They said my husband didn't exist. It was all over the media in my hometown. And, uh, once they literally, we had, we had to go to court. And once we were in court, we did like this breakout moment where my husband like walked through the doors and <laughs> it was, it was John Cena. Yeah. It, it was basically, yeah. Bernie Sanders with the steel chair. Yeah. It was ridiculous. And, um, of course I, I won that, I won that challenge. Um, and it was funny because I mean, I was running as a third party candidate. I was looking at getting two or 3% anyway. And my Republican opponent did not attack the democratic opponent whatsoever. And, uh, it was just me. And, so, um, what also came out is that, you know, I had had sugar daddies in the past because the smartest thing I did with sugar daddies is tell everyone on national television <laughs> and I was on Dr. Phil and I talked about it. I honestly thought that it was going to be Phil, a, Is Dr. Phil legit? I'm sorry. We're going to get totally sidetracked. Is he legit no, or is it an act? No, it's definitely an act. So first of all, his accent is very exaggerated because I talked to him during breaks. So we filmed for almost three hours and it's for a 45 minute episode. And so his accent, like he would throw it harder when he was, when he was recording and he's a liar. He told us that we were coming on to talk about how it's not prostitution and, um, you know, Having my a sugar daddy. Gonna, uh, yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, 
And I even said on the show that I don't sleep with most of them. Like I only ones I slept with are ones that I thought were attractive and I liked. I, and it wasn't transactional and that, you know, it's just, it, it's making money because the government got in the student loan business and I couldn't afford to pay for college without going into debt. And so that was my slant. And then immediately he asked if we were hookers. And so, yeah, I took a, I took a different approach after that and got really defensive and, um, I may have acted really ridiculous. And so, um, I, that, I mean, immediately everyone knew about that, but I mean, I posted that episode myself when it came out. I feel like, I feel like if you go through Dr. Phil, you're basically made for politics. Duh. I mean, I, we should get like that cash me outside girl. I bet she's a libertarian. (laughs) I'm so sad. I was ridiculous too. And I didn't get to be famous. She, she made so much money from that. She had a rap. She had a t-shirt line. Yeah, she she started her OnlyFans and when she turned 18 and she made like a million dollars in a day. You know what's wild? If we had had this conversation like two, three years ago, I probably would have been a lot more like, you know, stringent and accusatory and all this other stuff. Post 2020, I'm just like, you know what? Like make money. I don't give Fuck a shit. It. Like make money. The world's like, gonna end anyway. Yeah, like these people don't love you. They don't pay your <laughs> bills. They're not gonna be there when you have to call them at 3 a.m. because something has happened. Make money, take care of yourself. It's uh, it, it's it's so weird. There was um, speak, speaking of sugar daddies and stuff like that. There was, there was this uh, this woman I met in 2017. I was a speaker for part of uh, Freedom Fest. It was part of like this Atlas Summit that was going on because they've got events within events to get people to go to the other events. I was one of those speakers for a panel, and I met with this uh, woman who was working with this organization that was putting this on, and you know she was she was attractive. And she was about my age, but I noticed that she was having meals with all these like very wealthy older men. And I thought, oh, maybe she's like in donor relations or something. No, I, I asked her, I'm like, so, um, you know, did, did you have a business meeting or something? And she's like, oh, well, you know, something like that. And long story short, she was on this app. I don't remember what it was. It wasn't Tinder or something like that. Speaking but- arrangement. It was, it was something like that, but basically it was like, yeah, like older men that want to be in the company of younger women. So I was just curious. I'm like, so like, yeah, I was kind of insinuating, are you sleeping with them? And she's like, I've been on about 60 dates in the past four months and I've not slept with any of them. So I'm like, so what, what do you do? And she's like, you know, I'll text them and I'll FaceTime them and call them and I'll go get meals with them. And they like to buy the meals and they all send me jewelry and clothes and they'll fly me out to go hang out with them at a winery or something. And, you know, we're just, we're just having fun. And back then I'm thinking, this is the biggest fucking scam ever. Now I'm like, shit. When, when COVID broke out, when all the lockdowns happened, here, here was me. I had my salary cut. I had my workload trip tripled. I was trapped. Like I couldn't do anything. This lady, she's taking photos of herself in Paris, in Greece, in all <laughs> these places as, as COVID is really starting to close things down. And it's like, she's like, okay, well, you know, I left my job, but thanks to some quote friends of mine, I'm working, you know, as a secretary and all this other stuff. And she just basically started, you know, doing all these like filler jobs, making like way more money for guys that she met through this app where she had basically networked it into a way where it's like, she was making money, more money. She could travel she was having fun. Me and her were living in two different COVID <laughs> lockdown realities. And I was like, shit, 
You need a sugar mama. <laughs> I, I, I called, I called, uh, my, my, my now fiance, my, my then girlfriend. I'm just like, you know what? Like, and there's a, there's a Gabriel Iglesias joke, joke, uh, the, the fluffy guy. There's a joke where he's like, you know, like I, I'm offended. I'm not gay. <laughs> because going back to that, but going back to the Vegas situation, when I first met her, it's like, I got, I got hit on by a gay older man and I'm, I'm very straight. So I, you know, at the time I was just like, listen, man, like this, uh, no, we're, we, we, we could be buddies, but like, no, now I'm looking back. I'm like, shit, that guy owned like three Ferraris and a Porsche and he's showing me him in the Cayman islands and all this other shit. And I'm just like, damn. I would have made a great gay guy. <laughs> I think I'm, I think I'm very communicate. I'm very, you know, I communicate very well. You know, sometimes I like to, you know, I like to be a bit more Metro, a little bit more fashionable and shit like that. And I'm just thinking, damn, I bet that guy wasn't locked down at all. No, see, that's the best part. So what I explained to people, because I, I wasn't with my husband at the time. I did this back when I was 18 to 22 and, um, I had a boyfriend and he was like, there's no way you're not giving him handies under the table. And I'm like, come with me, come sit at the bar or something. I want you to, I want someone to come anyway when it's like a first time meeting. And so he would sit there and he would just like kind of stare over at the table. And after about an hour, we'd be done. And I'd get, you know, I never had a free first date because that's stupid. I'm you know, you got to pay for my time. So it was about $300. It just, you know, sometimes I'd start high, go lower, you know, minimum was 250. But this guy in this instance was $300 for this one hour dinner. And um, my boyfriend at the time was like, uh, I swear, I watched your hands. <laughs> there was nothing. How the fuck? And I, and so I explained it to him, like, first of all, I'm not going to sleep with him because then I, and no offense, not hashtag, not all men, but men are cavemen, right? They, they don't, they, they like the competition. They like the chase. They like the challenge. If you give it up, then they're not going to keep coming back to you. They, they already won. So a, that's why I didn't give it up Two, when someone like, for instance, if I see a homeless person, I might have a couple dollars in my wallet that I give them. And with my salary, that's, you know, about as much as I can afford. Um, but when you make multi millions of dollars that my couple dollars is like 500 for them. And so it's, it's to them, it's nothing, it's nothing. And they get real gratification from helping someone. And like your friend, um, I used a lot of my connections for, I mean, when I ran for office, I raised the most money out of anyone in my state besides our gubernatorial candidate out of 26 candidates, because I had former sugar daddies from years ago that donated to my campaign because they were so excited to see what I had turned into knowing I was married. You know, they didn't care about any of that. They wanted to mentor me. I mean, I had one guy who, um, he was married. He, he made millions. He made like a couple million dollars a year. His wife made more money than him though. So he felt emasculated. So he would want to take me shopping and have me just say, can I have this and have him buy me things? And then he'd go home and fuck his wife because then he could get it up. And I mean, shit like that. It was all the time. I mean, if I wanted to be a prostitute, I would charge a lot less and I'd be on a different site because I mean, it costs more to get someone. I mean, it's, it's, it's basically escorting and you have to have a personality. You have to have some form of intelligence. You have to know not to dress like a, a, a slut um, because they don't want, they, they don't want anyone to think that that's what you are. And I mean, I did a lot. I went to a lot of weddings. I went to a lot of business parties uh, with these people because they wanted someone that was with them that you know, could hold a conversation and make, I made money and it was so great. I graduated with no student debt 
And I, you know, was able, I had, I was a teen parent, so I was able to stay home with my son a lot more and got to raise him instead of having a daycare or something else raise him. And it, I mean, it's funny because people think, oh, you must have a low self-esteem or daddy issues or something to do this. I, me and my dad have a great relationship. I have mommy issues. Thank you very much. But I have honestly an obnoxiously high self-esteem. I literally think people should pay for my time. And, um, and it's, it's really, it felt, it felt empowering. And I think that that having that experience when I was younger and never regretting it, even when I went on national television and, you know, everyone knew and put it in the newspaper. Um, I think that led me to wanting to do something like OnlyFans or, you know, show some titty and also spread some liberty. (laughs) You know, it's so weird though. It's like, I I think a lot of the standards that men hold for ourselves in terms of what is an acceptable way to make money and what is an appropriate way to do so. I think we kind of apply that to women And, and I'm not talking, you know, like I like leave sex work, prostitution stuff out of it. It's like, you know, there, there's the joke about the the stripper at the local club who's trying to go through nursing school. Like, there's a reason why that's a joke. It's because it's a stereotype. And a lot of stereotypes exist because there's some truth in them. And it's like, you know, the, the, like men and women are different. And that standards that men hold themselves to, I think because of the way our society is, it's somehow projected onto women. It's like, you know, I, you know, there, there's the, there's the guys on Twitter who were like, I can't take a shirtless photo and, you know, put it on here and make money off of that where she can. And people want to do that. It's like, yeah, because men value certain things in women that women don't value in men. It's, it, it's not saying that it's unfair because it's unfair. It's just different. Like, you know, women, from from what I remember in DC, um, there were there were a few politicians I remember who paid for escorts, and they 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 weren't like open about it, but they also weren't paying them for prostitutes. Like those guys usually ended up just killing the hookers. Um, <laughs> but like it, it, it's one, it was one of the situations where it's like here you have these these very powerful men. A lot of them you know, come into money when they come in the office because might as well get rich while you're stealing from everybody, all the taxpayers. And what I realized talking to a few of them was that they would hire these escorts, not because they were trying to like get in there, see if they would sleep with them, but because they're like, listen, I want the company of a woman. I want somebody who I know like they're here because this is transactional and they're not going to try and like, you know, lead me on for something that's not to get happen. pregnant or something well, to trap was, them. Like in a, in a way it's kind of weird because it's almost like they're just paying for friendship in a way Yeah. to which I'm paying, like, it's a therapist, honestly. Well, it's like, why do, why do you guys go into fraternities? It's like paid friendship. So it's like, you know, women can do that. And I, I think, I think the past like decade, it's become more uh, socially acceptable as more people have come out and been open about it. But it's like, you know, yeah, men can go ahead and we can do, grunt work we could do blue collar work we can basically a man can basically find a job doing horrible backbreaking shit that women just aren't traditionally going to do and that opens up a lot of opportunities for them whereas women can easily go be a stripper or they could go do something else and it's like it, it doesn't have to be unfair it's just that there there's different things and it's just like yeah you might not like it but like except that there are different ways that people make money yeah, I mean it's all basically you're selling everyone's selling their body for money when you have a job because you're selling your labor. And I mean, like you said, there's some backbreaking work. And I mean, I don't like sex work. I've never done like prostitution or porn, but I imagine that's pretty 
backbreaking sometimes, you know, <laughs> like, I'm sure that there's some crazy positions someone can get into. And it's, it's the same thing in my eyes. And I know that I think of it differently than a lot of people do, but I, you know, not going to chew my own horn, but I think I'm right. I think that, you know, it's only degrading if you view sex in human anatomy is degrading and it's only negative if you view just humans as negative. I mean, and it's funny because, so I'm so lucky. I haven't gotten like any hate for this yet. Um, I'm, I was waiting for it to come and uh, it hasn't came yet I'm waiting. Um, cause I have so many comebacks, but, um, but, uh, I lost my train of thought cause I'm high. But basically, oh, oh yeah. So a lot of guys, you know, they'll, they'll watch porn. They'll, uh, they'll look at half naked girls. They'll follow a porn star's Twitter, but then they'll shame someone in their circle for doing the same thing. And it doesn't make any sense because if, if you're a consumer, how can you do that? How can you shame someone for doing something that you are partaking in? It doesn't make any sense. For, for men, it's like, you know, and, and, and I, and I kind of agree with this, but I do think there is a double standard for, for some guys that are like really proactive about it because you've probably seen the guys that turn into like woman haters in the comments on Twitter and shit like that. Incels. And, and yeah, I mean, you see a lot of projection, like the guys that are like the most anti-porn dudes. And I went to Liberty university. I remember these guys, the guys that were the most anti-porn guys were the guys that had a porn problem. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Like that, that, that was always it. Like my thing for porn is like, you know, I think it gives an unrealistic expectation. There's, there's a lot of shadiness in there when it comes to, you know, human trafficking, all the other stuff, it's a waste of time. And I don't like really seeing two, two people go at it like that. This is not my thing. Somebody else wants to do that. Go, go for that. But I think a lot of men kind of jump on other dudes because it's like, Oh, it's a waste of time. It's, it's messed up for you. It's like, you know, there are a lot of things I think are messed up. Yeah. That, that might be somebody else's thing. That's not mine, but you know, I also think playing video games for seven hours when you could be doing something else is more productive. I, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and he was like, what do you do? You know, like, how's your weekend? I was like, I worked like 50 hours all week. And he's like, Oh dude, you know, I, I'm, I'm playing this game. When was the last time you touched the game? I actually looked over at my, uh, you know, TV stand and I saw a game that it's still in the plastic that I bought seven months ago. And I'm like, shit, I, I forgot that even existed because I'm hustling. Now I'm not shaming people. I'm not saying that people need to go out and be making money all the time. I think if you're on, if you're, if you have one job in the post COVID world, it's, you should absolutely stop playing video games as fucking much and go get more money. But like, you know, it's like, that's just how I am. And it's one of those situations where it's like, you know, a lot of men like to put on this, like th this, this persona of, oh yeah, I'm just hustling and I'm a traditional guy and I'm just working and I would never do that shit. But those are the guys that have to feel the need to attack other guys on that. And I think when it comes to the porn and stuff like that, that's an easy area because there's just so much talk about that now. I, it wasn't even something a couple of years ago. I, I had uh, Nate Hockman. He's a he's a conservative guy from national review. And we talked about that porn star Brandy love when she tried going to some turning point USA event, which turning point USA events are basically human trafficking schemes anyway. But like, um, you know, she, she went there and that caused a whole problem and everyone was attacking her. It's like, what, she's a conservative business owner. You don't like what she does for money. That's your fucking problem. But she paid to go there. She should go there. And he was like, well, you know, we shouldn't be condoning that. I'm like, she, she paid for a ticket and she wanted to go. She wasn't causing a problem. She wasn't doing shit. 
Like, what, what, what's what's the problem? So are they saying that they didn't bake the cake? It was basically like that. Yeah. And That's I'm just, just like, funny because I'm it, sure they're the same ones that are like, they shouldn't have to bake a cake. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, I mean, it, it just it just always leads into the situation where you're just going to contradict yourself. And when it's like, you know, when when COVID happened and you're, that was like really when OnlyFans really started rising. It's like, you know what? Like if they're not, you know, like like the Washington Times where I worked at the time, like they took a PPE loan and they still cut our salaries. It's like that's screwed up. Like they don't care how we live. They could care less if we died. I know that because we had several employees died while I worked there and they were immediately replaced. No one gave them an, no one gave staff like an hour to mourn. It's like, they will replace you as soon as you die. So it's like, who, who am I to judge a woman who's going out there and doing that to make money that she can generate herself and she owns her shit. It's like, I don't care because she's doing what she needs to do for herself. Like th- these other bosses and everyone else, like they don't care what happens to you. You might as well do what you need to do for money. She's not going out and giving blowjobs in alleyways. She's not selling crack to kids. She's not selling guns to, you know, like Libyan terrorists or stuff like that. Like, it, like let, let's let, when we, when I have to look at the controversy scale, it's really not there. It's not really measuring even at the bottom. Yeah, no, exactly. And uh, what's what's great about something like OnlyFans is like you like you alluded to, um, you own your own content. And I recently watched a documentary. Um, it's called uh, what is it called? Uh, Hot Girls Wanted, and it's about the porn industry. And a lot of these really young—I'm talking just turned eighteen-year-old girls who get in—and it's all ran by men. And you know, and when you have um, you know one gender running basically the entire operation, they don't understand what it's like to be a female. And you know, you you get a lot of women who were. Um, coerced, especially again, considering their age into doing a lot of degrading shit. Like I never even knew facial abuse was a thing and it's where they're like doing forced blowjobs and it's, it's really disgusting. And so having more women uh, taking ownership of themselves and in owning their own content, they're able to explore that side of them, see if they like it without having to be traumatized because I mean, I, and I get that this is all acting and all that, but when you hear these girls say that they didn't want to do it, they didn't know this is what they were going to have to do until they got there and they felt like they couldn't say no, it, it, it's getting really close to the line of non-consensual. And uh, to be able to do whatever you want yourself and not have any coercion other than playful suggestions from your fans um, I think that that's super powerful and empowering. And I think we should celebrate that that's where this, this industry is going. Because, it's again, freedom, a lot of, yeah. I mean, it's the freedom to choose yes or no. Yeah. Like it's lot, really hard yeah. to say no when you have someone telling you that this is what you're doing and you're an 18 year old girl, you're, you're alone there with these men. And I mean, I can understand how, you know, a lot of women would not be able, I, I can't even say women, a lot of girls wouldn't be able to, to say no. And, you know, and it's, it's kind of like what happens on a lot of college campuses. They, they don't want to say no because they may have said yes earlier. And, you know, you have a lot of women that are traumatized. And this is so much more empowering because you own all of your content forever. You, you, you can put it wherever. You can make money on it forever. You don't have to license your own name, you know. Or you don't have to go and get your rights for your own stuff. And I think that's super empowering and I'm here for it. Yeah. And I mean, it's why I, it's why I promote entrepreneurship so much. It's why I tell people it's like, you know, having one job is like, is like running a business and only having one client. 
if you lose that one person, what does that do to your life? And it also gives you a lot of confidence to really help you in other aspects of your life. Like I still work a nine to five, but a large chunk of my income comes from my side hustles and everything else. I like having the balance of both. But I mean, how many people, how many people listening to this have been in a situation where because you don't want to say no to your boss, you end up doing something you don't want to do. You say yes to something you wouldn't otherwise be, you know, deal with. And I've done it. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I've done it. Everyone has said yes to a boss when you know you really don't want to say yes, but you do it. And it's an incredibly degrading feeling. Um, I mean, I think that's just something about the the side hustle world because I've got I've got friends of mine who it's like at their workplace they feel emasculated they feel um like they're mistreated they they live a life in the office where they are just really treated like like expendable items but then they go ahead and start a side hustle they start working with clients and then it's more of an equal relationship and they can say no and they feel fine saying I have to increase this or I'm willing to only work these hours. They feel a sense of empowerment that they typically wouldn't have before. And and I mean, I've joked about it in the past, but, you know, one of the most uh, illuminating parts of my like, you know, job journey over the past uh, five, six years was uh, being a cheap makeup salesman not even door to door, like going to like strip malls and stuff and trying to sell like Chinese lead tainted makeup to cashiers. My favorite clients are the strippers because no, like no joke, like one strippers have to buy a lot of makeup and two, they're the best negotiators and three, they always pay in cash and four, they always refer you to their friends. So, I mean, I I remember one time I was outside of Baltimore in the McDonald's parking lot. And I, you know, this one lady who was a very, old stripper me I, I start selling her like a ceramic curling iron and some other shit and you know she's going into her purse and she's pulling out just single after single after single and a g-string and it was it was comedic in a way because we're doing this in a parking lot I think I was selling her drugs or something <laughs> and I, I mean I just remember my uh my, my partner that day was you know making jokes like oh you know the the old stripper pulling out all the singles I mean they must be sweaty or something and it's like you know that woman like as she was doing that like counting all her singles like we were joking like I asked her what she did and she was like I'm a stripper and all this other stuff like it was it was a fun conversation like that was a very confident person now after that whole situation my buddy's making fun of the stripper I just sold stuff to which by the way she was my best client that day bought my curling iron my compact mirror my all like a couple of different makeup sets I was like I don't have to work the rest of the day we go into McDonald's and, and what do I get the cash register hi Welcome to McDonald's. What would you like? People hate their jobs. They hate where you're at. You could make fun of the stripper because you think that what she does is humiliating, but she knows what she's doing. She likes what she's doing. She's making money with what she's doing and she chooses that job. Whereas these people who are working at McDonald's, they hate their job. They physically hate their job. They feel humiliated, not taking their clothes off like the other lady, they feel humiliated because they have to wear a uniform. And I'm not attacking people who have to wear a uniform, people that work in fast food. I've worked terrible jobs too. We all have to do it. But if you had to look at some, at one or two, at one or both of them and say, who's the happier person, the stripper or the McDonald's employee, the stripper was pretty happy. (laughs) And she got like a few hundred dollars worth of shit in the parking lot from a stranger. (laughs) Which is fun. It's pretty funny. Like, I don't even know if I would do that nowadays. I would just assume it didn't work. Like, or it fell off a truck somewhere. 
It was, <laughs> it was the sketchiest. It, it was like, I thought I was working for a, for a, it was direct marketing. Direct marketing is, is like, if you ever see a business that says, oh, we do direct marketing, it's a fucking scam. It's like an MLM. Like Vector? It, who does the Cutco knives? Oh, the, the Cutco knives. It, it was basically like that, except you work 60 hours a week. You have to wear a suit all day. So you walk most of the time. So you're sweating. I looked like I was like, I just escaped from prison by noon and you're, you're selling makeup. And it was like, yeah, I, I was told I was only selling makeup for a week. And then I was going to go do promotional events for the nationals or for the Redskins or whatever. Instead, I find out that that's just a lie because they have so much turnover and they don't expect you to stay. Every week is the first launch week of a new product. So <laughs> they only sold those freaking um, makeup bags makeup. because the yeah. guy who owned the makeup company also owned the firm. That's clever. And, and what was <laughs> hilarious was we went into DC and uh, there are only a couple strip clubs in D.C. And the the high scale one where like Rudy Giuliani and Hunter Biden might both be seen is called <laughs> Archibald's. My partner that day was also like my business mentor. So he pulled me into the strip club and like we sold all of our makeup. And it was just like, you know, all those women, one of them was a George Washington University student. The other one was going through law school at Georgetown. It's like, you know. Make money. No one yeah. else pays your bills but you. And if you're yeah. if you're okay with doing it, I'm not going to begrudge you for how you make that money. Yeah, no, it's it's so when I lived in Portland actually, um so I was I bartended for 10 years and um I started my bartending career in Portland, Oregon at a strip club because they have the most strip clubs per capita. Um Portland? It's, it's, yeah. I would yeah, think Vegas. Pretty, no, uh, per capita, of course. Um, huh. But Portland, Oregon has the most. Um, they have, I mean, they have like four on one corner, like all kitty corner to each other. Um, there's actually a vegan strip club there called Casa Diablo. No fucking way. I swear to God, they have a drive-thru strip club. They have, um, I mean, drive-thru for, drive for food or? No, drive-thru for strippers. They, yeah, they established that, that during that COVID. Work? How does that work? Like so you, look you drive the through, you stay in your car, you just uh -huh. go really slow. It, I think they got a car, like an old car wash or something that had the automatic thing. And then the strippers are stripping around the car. Oh my God. Yeah. Clever, clever. Right. Um, but when I was bartending, I, um, I mean, at the time I was in school and, um, I, unfortunately, I don't think I, I didn't have enough confidence in myself to be a stripper. So I was just bartending. Um, but almost every single girl that I worked with that was a stripper, they all, same thing. They were all in nursing school. They were all in business school. They were all in all, you know, all of this. And then they only had to work on Friday, Saturday nights because they made enough money to not have to work the rest of the week so they could get good grades. And honestly, we can always blame the government for everything, right? If those incels want to blame anyone, it's the government because they got involved in the student loan business, which spiked up interest rates like crazy and made it so that no one can go to college for not without getting into debt. And so if that's the case, we're going to have to do what we got to do. And we, we, have, we have to get an education in this country to get a very well-paying job unless you're... Unless you're you know, very, very expert level in your field. And, uh, I mean, I coders, maybe, um, you know, writers, maybe don't have to, but, uh, like for me and marketing and HR, I had to go to school. And in order to do that, 
I had, I had to make money. I mean, I couldn't imagine right now if I was paying the equivalence of my rent in student loan payments, I couldn't afford for, for me, for me to live where I do in, in the suburbs of Milwaukee, like I, I, I make a pretty good salary by like, you know, Midwest standards. Um, but like my, my thing was like, I, I you know, the, the classic finance principle, you know, don't spend more than you make live within your means. That type of thing. My thing was like, you know, I don't want to live in the city primarily because of riots and shit breakdown again. I want at least like 20 minutes to like hightail it. And I, I like a degree of privacy. So I didn't want to live in the city. So my thing was like, I can either just stick with my own principles and try and just live within it and deal with it. Or it was like, make more money. So, you know, I expanded my side hustles. And as I've, I've said multiple times on the show, my nine to five paycheck does not pay my rent. It does not pay my groceries. It does not pay my utilities, my basic expenses. That all comes from my side hustle money. So then my nine to five check goes towards investments. It goes towards saving. It goes towards buying assets that can go ahead and make me more money. And that was a very deliberate decision. And it was like, do I like working, you know, 55, 60 hours a week? No, but I see how my friends who aren't doing that are living. And it's like, you know, it's easy to say, oh God, I'm tired. I want to just be left alone in my nice luxury apartment. Then in a small like space in the middle of the hood in Milwaukee, (laughs) thinking I need to get out of here. At least I could say, oh, at least I'm here. Like, I would rather have those problems than have other problems. Yeah, I mean, honestly, being tired is nothing when when in the scheme of things. And I don't know, I'm sure, I'm sure you're probably the same way. I've, I've noticed a lot of people are the same way. I get more energy knowing that I'm about to count some money. And I mean, you can push through it. I played sports in high school. I know about being tired. I just got to push through it. And you, we're not going to get social security. <laughs> I mean, no. fuck, if we even have a monetary system when we are retiring, I'll be surprised. And I want to be able to give myself a comfortable life when I don't want to work anymore. And that's not going to happen if I'm not proactive in making money. And I mean, honestly, I, the only thing I regret is not doing it sooner. So let, let's kind of, let's kind of touch on that. You launched your OnlyFans a couple of weeks ago. You're April already, 1st. You're already, which is hilarious as is. I did al- Method to my madness. <laughs> you, you're already in like the top 10% of creators across the site. What, one, how did that conversation start? Two, what was the moment where it was like, yeah, I'm actually going to do it. And how have things kind of been like in this initial launch period? So I want to say about three years ago, I was chatting with my husband, a few of our friends. I think actually a mutual friend, Jess Mears, was in on the conversation. And we were talking, I was talking about like how funny and cool. It was like right when OnlyFans came out. So it might've been two years ago, but um, how cool it would be to use that platform um, and have like attractive libertarian women on there and uh, like topless talking about libertarian shit. Like, you know, we can go on there and talk about the war on terror, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so not only is that your own niche that because you have to have you have to be you have to separate yourself. Right. Because there's a hundred million girls and just sitting in their bedrooms on on that site. Um, You have to separate yourself. So that would be awesome. And also you might be able to um, even if you change one mind, you know, that'd be cool. Or if you educate people, a lot of people don't know, like, you know, about fiat currency or the petrodollar, anything like that. So it'd be cool to even talk about that. 
And, um, and it's also like, I, I love my body. I want to show it off. So uh, we were just like making jokes about it and how cool it would be. And this is before Jess and I lost all of our weight. So uh, we were like, it'll never be us, but we should tell other people to do it. Um, and after I had met my weight loss goal, um, cause I lost 80 pounds this last year. Um, and my husband was digging. I mean, he loves to go shopping with me now. He's like, yeah, try that on. <laughs> it's great. Um, but he's like, you know, um, I remember you talking about this and I actually, you should do it. You should try to start it. And, uh, you know, we've, we've been very secure in our relationship. We've been married for almost five years now. And, um, he's, he actually, he enjoys it when men hit on me and stuff. He's like, yeah, hit on her. You know, he's just like a validation a, type of thing. Oh yeah. He's like, I'm a bad bitch. Look what I got. You know, <laughs> um, he loves it. So, um, he, he mentioned it and this was probably about three, four months ago. And I, I had a friend, I have a friend from high school who, um, I actually had her on my podcast and she is on OnlyFans and she, um, is still currently in the top 5% of all creators. And, uh, she's, she's huge on there. She makes thousands of dollars a month. And so, I messaged her and I said, Hey, I'm actually thinking about starting OnlyFans. Um, I know that you probably, I, I'm not asking for your services for free because I'm a capitalist. Um, you know, could I pay you to help me like figure this out? And she's like, girl, thank you. Finally. <laughs> um, and she said, uh, actually you don't even have to pay me sign me up under my referral link. And because if you're successful, I'm successful because the, you know, OnlyFans gives her money if you know, someone does well. So I did that and she sent me an entire, like, uh, like a multi-page, probably like 25 page guide. Um, and then I spent the next month doing nothing but research. I mean, I looked up exactly what lighting I should get, uh, what my shoot should look like. I, I practice poses from boudoir shoots and, um, I kind of have a little bit of an advantage because back when I was 18 to 22, um, I was a tiny little thing and I did fetish modeling and I was a redhead. And so I did just redhead fetish modeling. It's, it's funny because that was like the only like fetish. Guys, like, okay, guys I, who are into gingers or something. Oh yeah. Guys. I, it's weird, right? Guys. <laughs> I got made fun of my entire life for being a ginger and then boom, fucking bitches. So, um, I, and it was nice. I didn't even have to take off my clothes just because I was redheaded. So I knew a little bit about modeling and I, I know how to take pictures of people. Um, I mean, I take great selfies. And so I said, you know, I don't even have to get a photographer. I can just do it myself. Um, I have, you know, camera with a remote that I can just take pictures and I already have a backdrop backdrops and shit for my podcast. I already have a bunch of this shit. Um, and I looked up what I, I watched probably 40 YouTube videos of beginners, like how they started making money and I just learned it inside and out. And so what I did is then for another month, I did nothing but take pictures. So every day that I put on like a good amount of makeup, um, did my hair, um, like, you know, going out for the night or whatever, I would take a bunch of pictures and, um, I'd put different hair extensions in where it's like curly, where it's, you know, uh, straight, whatever. And, um, gradually make my eyeshadow darker and darker, just so it looks like different days. And so I already had about 300, um, ready to go pieces of content. And I did that because, you know, if I'm going to launch, I would rather, you know, start like that. And so I had time to get more. So after doing all that, I then kind of focus grouped them. It's a campaign manager in me. Um, I sent it to my gay friends, my straight friends, my lesbian friends. And, um, you know, I'm like, Hey, like, what do you think of these pictures? Which one? Um, and you know, kind of just like tried to get everyone's opinion. 
everyone kind of settled on the same stuff. And I decided on April 1st to launch it because, um, first of all, I wanted to be able to post it on my social media. And I don't remember who all is on there. Like, shit, I can have a long lost uncle on there that I forgot about. And I wanted people to think it was a joke, but maybe be curious enough to DM and see if they have a link. And then once I did that, um, I had a few people immediately DM and ask for the link. And then uh, Tarnell Brown, who I love, immediately uh, posted, Chrissy's not joking. She literally started an OnlyFans. And I didn't have to post that, right? So I didn't have to have that on mine. And boom, got the first like 30 subscribers. And um, I've only actually posted it, I think, two other times where I've just talked about like my success on there. And, um, I mean, I'm up to about 120 subscribers and my price is 1776, which I want to, I want to give you a compliment on there. There's a, there's a marketing saying, which is their riches in the niches. And by you really narrowing down to that, it's doing exactly what you mentioned earlier, which is I needed a way to separate myself from the competition. I, I was having I, I was having a, a conversation literally with somebody this morning who wants to go ahead and start a brick and mortar business, uh, selling you know like we'll, we'll just say like you know coffee for example, and it was like you know you could sell coffee, but like why would anyone go to your place specifically? Like what are you doing that really makes you stand out? What community are you tapping into? What message are you tapping into? People have options, and they also have their behavioral learned options. They know they can just go to any place and get cheap coffee. They know if they want a certain type of coffee, they know they're going to go Panera or Starbucks or something. Why should anyone go to you? What are you immediately tapping into that does that? So by being a woman who also is doing this, who's also making it libertarian themed. So you're getting that entire, you know, center, right, center, left, really like political niche area. You don't need millions of people only paying like a few bucks every once in a while, you can get a smaller dedicated pool of people to jump in and then upsell over time. That's how you do it. That's how you take your part of the world and you create that residual income over time. So that way your active income eventually just becomes passive to the point where you can actually get that. I'm making money while I sleep and I don't have to monitor it more than like a few minutes a week dream that people want. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's like with the upselling part. Um, so my subscription is 1776, right? But people can, you know, rec- they, they tip. I, it's so funny. Like, I mean, multiple people tip on all the pictures. It's great. Um, and which they don't even have to. So I feel like that's, that's a huge compliment. Um, but then they also can pay for extra things. Like, do you want a private picture of where I'm like, maybe like, you know, like doing something you want me to do. Okay. Then you're going to pay for that and you're going to pay extra for it. And um, I actually also started a free OnlyFans, but I don't post anything, any kind of nude. It's, is is it's, that, that, that's used to draw people in, it's promotional, so then you can convert them into, Oh yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and all the pictures that they do want to see anything that's topless or whatever that other people who pay to subscribe see, they have to pay per picture. And I mean, so it's, it's going both, like both of those, having both of those at the same time is, is, I mean, imperative. And I've seen that a lot of women don't do that. It's um, a lead funnel. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, um, having my MBA and being, and going through school recently, I think that that really helped because I understand, um, the market and I understand what my demographics are and my demographics are libertarians. And, you know, I've been in this party now since 2009. 
And I've been an activist in this party. I mean, I go and I do, I call it the circuit where I go to state conventions and I speak at a bunch of events and I have a lot of people that follow me. Why not try to monetize that and give them something that they want? You know, maybe like, look at like the Fox News girls, right? The Tommy Lawrence and all of them. If they have any kind of cleavage in their pictures, I mean, they get thousands more likes, right? Because a men, they like a smart political girl if they're also political. Like, I mean, libertarian men, I can't tell you how many statuses I see like a week that they're saying, man, I wish I could find a libertarian girl. And, you know, that's kind of, that's what they want. And uh, for a lot of people, um, you know, it's been, I've been married or in a relationship my whole time in this party. So they've been like, oh, like it's kind of taboo. Like they can't, you know, they can't ask me out. They can't, you know, do any of that. But now I'm giving them the opportunity to see me naked. And they've known me for years. I mean, so many people. It was kind of weird when I had some people in my state party sign up with their names. Like, I was like, why? You can choose any username you want. Why would you do this to me? And, uh, but it's, it's, it, you know, I get it. Because there's people I want to see naked. I mean, shit. I, I want to see Martha Bueno naked. I'm going to try to talk her into doing this because she is hot mama. Have you seen Martha Bueno? I'm like, you know, the, it's it's uh, it, it's so funny because it's like the and and it's it's meant as a derogatory term. I've seen it thrown around like the libertarian ethought. Like there are some women who have just completely ran with it, especially on Twitter. And I had uh, I had Lauren, uh, I think her her show name is like Lauren Liberty from Arizona. She's a libertarian who does like 1950 styles pinup stuff. You know, she's very curvy, has a Marilyn Monroe type of thing going on. Like uh, back in December, January, she started Thirst Traps for Liberty when the controversy of the day was going down and there was a libertarian response and everyone was like, well, the libertarian, the LP nationals not saying anything. So we'll say something. So it was all these like attractive libertarian women that were jumping on this hashtag that were, you know, like putting all these like facts about, I don't, I don't remember what we were mad about that day. We were mad about something, but all these women were doing that. And so you had all these libertarian guys like, Oh, you're just doing this, bring attention to yourself and all this other shit. I had her on the show and I was like, this is, this is a marketing like gold mine right here. You don't understand how many case studies can come from just how you all did this user generated content, branded messaging, hijacking a narrative like you freaking did it. And it's like I, I'm also at the point now where I've where I consider myself mostly post political because I don't think anyone can say that they're the same person they were prior to the lockdowns and everything that they were before. The whole world changed. And I, I, I don't believe in political parties. I don't believe that anybody outside of building their own institutions can bring any measurable change to their lives or to anyone else's if they don't have financial freedom and if they don't have the freedom to make as many choices for themselves as possible. So it's like be your own institution. Don't have to, you don't have to deal with people you don't want to because they have power. Make your own freaking power. There are two things that aren't real and they're not important, money and power. But there are two things that are really fucking real and really important, money and power. The people <laughs> that don't have it say it's not real. The people that have it do everything to take care of it, but it's infinite. You can take it. You might as well freaking do it. Yes. Uh, welcome to anarchy. <laughs> 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 that's I mean and, and like you said it, the lockdowns really did change a lot of people I mean for me um I I was like you know what life can literally end tomorrow and and, and mind you everyone knows that right everyone knows deep down that you could die tomorrow but it became a lot more real when you're facing a pandemic and so 
if I can die tomorrow, do I, you know, want to live my life the way I want to, or do I want to care what other people think? And I would never care what anyone thought about anything else. Why would I care about this? Fuck it. Exactly. And it's fun. I have so much fun. So when you said, um, you know, the someone replied to the, the thirst, the thirst traps, the e-thoughts, um, you know, oh, you just want attention. I'm an attention whore. Absolutely. I love no attention. One, no one who gets involved in politics did it to just be quiet. Yeah. Like that's I mean, one of the biggest I want lies. I people to listen. I have a podcast. Yeah. I do a competitive karaoke league. I literally do it. I mean, I... I, is it I like do, dueling karaoke? How does that? So work? what it is is uh, we have teams. We're gonna completely like sidestep. I need to understand this. Yes, no, it's actually like the coolest thing. It's super lame. Like when I tell some of my normie friends, they're like, "Wow, you're a loser." Like first the librarian thing because they all think I'm a librarian instead of a libertarian, and <laughs> they don't know what it means. Um, no matter how many times I say it, um, but they're like, "Now you do karaoke? Oh, what the fuck?" So I have a team, and it's a team of four people. And um, we get a theme each week. Like, let's say it's, um, you know, heroes or girls, you know, songs about women or whatever. And we choose a song and we don't just sing it. We perform it and we dress up and it's a whole performance. Like one week it was um, show tunes and we did the Book of Mormon and we oh did four God, songs. That's Book so of funny. Yeah, no, it was, it was actually really funny because they deducted us points because it was offensive. I'm like, Some yeah. The Book of Mormon. Mormons aren't even really people. Yeah, exactly. Duh. They're the only ones going to heaven. Fuck them. So, I mean, uh, I you mean, know, I, I think everyone should have total serious thing. I think everyone should have one Mormon friend because shit, the shit go people. down. Well, they're, they're nice just, people, but they have all the guns, even the liberal ones. If you're a real Mormon, you're, you already have your shit ready for doomsday. Why would <laughs> I not want to be friends of at least one of them? Yeah. I mean, and they, they're, they have big families, so you'll have a lot of friends, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, it was, it was, it's really fun. Um, so my husband and I, my husband participates too, and he's such a trooper. He's like the best. So he is willing to dress up as a woman for the hilarity of it. Cause he's got a beard and he's like six, two and it's really funny. Oh, that's and yeah, no. So like we did, um, spice girls and he was 40 spice. I even put a fake ponytail and, <laughs> um, the, the tattoo on her arm, um, put that on him. He was, it was songs about women and he did holla bat girl dressed like the queen of England. And so that was hilarious. And I mean, it was, it's so much fun. And I mean, I love performing. And so to be able to dress up and to be able to like work as a team and come up with choreography, I was living my best 1999 life because that's what I did as a kid. I made all my friends learn all the dances and we performed them for our families. <laughs> so my family is. doesn't come to this now. Um, actually, Spike, <laughs> Spike and Tasha came. Oh my God, I couldn't even believe it because so Spike and Tasha were in town and it just so happened it was the Songs About Women's Week and I did walk dressed as Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Tasha and Spike were there and Tasha was supposed to leave and she was like, no, actually, I want to stay and watch and see what you sing. And I was like, oh, Tasha, you're about to see a whole new person. Things are about um, to be different afterwards. <laughs> yes, no. And she just looked at me the entire time like so disappointed, like... <laughs> Macaroni in a butt, some wet ass pussy dresses Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who had just died. And oh she's God. like, Oh, Chrissy, I didn't know you said those words. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, Tasha. And I'm rapping, of course, which is, you know, um, yeah, so uh that that almost killed it. Uh Spike loved every second of it. <laughs> he thought it oh was my God. ridiculous and hilarious at the same time. Um 
But yeah, so I do lots of lame things that involve me getting attention because I think it's fun. I like it. I mean, I feel that it's not for everyone. It's not, not everyone is super outgoing and, you know, is pretty dismissive of insults or criticism. I like, I, I honestly don't really get insulted at all anymore or any hate because I think people are scared because, um, if you're willing to do that, what else are you willing to do? Yeah. I will literally go shit on your doorstep, dude. Like trust me. I peed on my neighbor's flowers because they're racist and I killed their flower. I like peed on them multiple times. So try me. I have no shame. And that's because I'm comfortable in myself. I know I'm fucking weird. I'm a libertarian. I'm probably autistic. I get it. <laughs> I have neurodivergence. I have eight- I just got diagnosed with ADHD. Duh. I mean, that's neurodivergency. And my ADHD has actually helped me out a lot because that's how I've been able to hyper-focus on the research for OnlyFans. And it's, I'm having so much fun. It's so much fun to take pictures of myself. And now I'm getting paid for it instead of just taking all these pictures to send my husband. <laughs> what's, um, what, what, what's the goal? Is the goal to do this full time or is it just to have an additional stream of income? Because you, you do a lot of stuff and you have multiple jobs already. Yeah. So I think that that's part of the ADHD, right? Because I have to get my dopamine somewhere. You just like um, working. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like that too. Like I'm a workaholic. Like that's my, yeah. that's my biggest strength because I will work to excess. And it's also like my biggest flaw because I don't know when to stop working. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of feel the same. I, I, I feel like a lot of my, like, except for my regular job, everything else I do is also something I enjoy. Like it's mm-hmm. something that I would probably do for free. And so, you know, working with AFP, I'm basically just um, bullying people into showing up for shit. Um, I would, I do that. I did that for free for five years for them because they've been on my side of an issue for the last five years. And, um, with any other, my outside of that activism, I enjoy doing that. And with OnlyFans, like I totally enjoy doing that. Um, so it's almost like it's not work, but I would rather do hobbies that make me money. Um, Caitlin Cloven and I have been running a joke campaign for president and co-president and, it was so funny. We told a couple of normies at the bar that we were doing this. And she's like, it's actually called vice president. And we're like, no, is it like, okay. So, and, and it's because like, obviously we're going to flip a coin every day and whoever loses has to be president. And you know, and it's, it's a joke. Um, and we're not even old enough. We can't even be president if we wanted to, but it's because we want to sell, um, when we go to conventions, we use it as like our joke to sell random t-shirts and, um, uh, cannabis or uh, uh sorry cbd <laughs> yeah so um and it's funny because like it's just part of oh, we have an llc now it's called we don't sell drugs llc and it's actually called Dope. we don't sell drugs llc llc because yeah why not llc llc yeah. yeah, well, because like the LLC we added on, like that was part of the name. And then now, so it shows up as a kid, we don't sell drugs. LLC, LLC. LLC. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just ridiculous, right? And um, and it's fun. Like one of our shirts that we're selling is, um, I don't know if any, if any of your listeners or you have seen the TikTok about Joe Jorgensen being a dominatrix. Um, what the fuck did you just what? say? What? You don't know about the sex dungeon? Wait. <gasps> What what the fuck? Is this real or is this a joke? Okay, so I I am of the opinion that it's 100% real considering. So this video came out very shortly, like the day, two or three days probably after she got the nomination. I mean, Jess didn't even know as much about How her. As this I, I feel like I'm failing if I don't fucking know this. I what feel like you're fuck? failing too because it's so funny. Okay, I'm going to have to send it to you later. But 
Um, so this guy who looks very much like her husband. So her husband is like a skinny white guy, uh, ginger with very long hair. And the guy in the video, exact same, except younger. And, um, and also she really, she teaches at Clemson, right? And she always talks about how much she loves the quarterback there. Looks the same. And yeah. So, um, he did this, he, he did this video saying, so I'm not going to say her name, but, um, there's someone running for president. Her, her name rhymes with Schmosh Morganson. And, um, I saw her on a sugar mama site and I, uh, saw a cute little Bob and a pouty smile. And I thought, Oh, she's cute. So I went out to dinner with her. And this part really makes me think that it was true. She made him sign a contract. And that's what a libertarian Holy would do, right? Shit. Yeah. And so apparently he was just like skimming through the contract because he didn't really care. He just thought it was like an NDA. So he signed it. Well, then he gets back to her house and she takes him to the end of the hallway where there's a door with a lock. And it's been confirmed. She does have a door with a lock at the end of her hallway. And he knew where she lived too. Um, and so he, they go into this room and it's like, it basically has a bunch of sex toys. It's a sex dungeon for the most part. And he did not realize that the safe word was inside that contract and he did not read it. And so he got the shit beat out of him by Joe Jorgensen because he didn't know the safe word. I mean, that is kind of his fault. Yeah. Well, well yeah, no, he totally said fault. that. That's what he said. Yeah. He's like, I still got paid, but like, it's my fault. Like I should have read the contract, but like, yeah. Isn't that like, it, and mind you, I get why he came out with this story only a few days after he probably saw the news. Like Joe Jorgensen saw her face and was like, holy shit. And again, he knew more about her than we even did as libertarians. And, um, so I believe it's true. I actually emailed him every day for four months asking him to come on my podcast. And I was like, I listen, I don't even care if it's not true. I will pretend it is true. He never responded. I just really wanted him to come on and talk about it. And yeah, I don't know if you ever like watched I, have mi- I feel like I have a new mission in life to find this person. Yes. I, I mean, I'll send you the TikTok. It's so, it's so fucking Please. funny. And he ta- and he talks so fast that it like, it, it feels so authentic because it, he's not thinking about his next words. He's not, you know, it just goes. And, um, so I, I mean, I believe it, especially when you take into consideration that he looks like her husband, but younger that he, you know, knows what her house looks like all this shit. So, and he's a normie, he's not a libertarian. So he doesn't like know who she is. Um, so, uh, I don't know if you've ever watched any of George Jorgensen's speeches or I, I uh, try, but it was like, it was like anti Viagra. You get through like two seconds and you're like, I need to do literally anything else in my life. Dude. Right. And I felt, I felt really bad for Jess because she had to listen to the same speech over and over and over again when she was traveling with her. But Joe Jorgensen loved to say that she wants to turn America into one giant Switzerland, armed and neutral. So <laughs> we made shirts that say my safe word is one giant Switzerland. And, <laughs> and Caitlin, we went to Alabama's uh, party um, convention to go speak a few months ago. And Joe Jorgensen was there and Caitlin Cloven wore that shirt to go talk. Caitlin used to work for Joe. <laughs> And it's so funny. And it's just like, and it's silly things like that, that we're trying to do because a, we know how contentious our shit gets. You know, we, it's so funny. We think that everything's going to stop after Reno. No, it's not. We're just going to fight about the presidential candidate and it's all going to be contentious and assholey. And so we decided like, why don't we try to have fun and also try to make money? Like, let's try to sell shirts. Let's sell drugs. Let's sell, you know, I'm actually in my state convention. I have a vendor table. I always get a vendor table. And I, I always call it my flea market because I just bring whatever. I brought spike pasties one year. Um, like literally his face. Oh, yeah, pasties. the nipple gate thing. Yeah. That was yeah, fun. Yeah. Dude, it was so fucking funny. I was so proud of that. Jess was not proud, but I was proud. And um, so I sold pasties of his face. I sold uh um CBD carts. 
um, I sold uh, memes that I printed out and put on canvas of Spike <laughs> that I made of Spike. They're also, I sold out of everything. Um, so I just like to sell random shit. This time what I'm doing is bringing, since I have like 35 people from the LPO that has joined my OnlyFans, I'm bringing the lingerie I wear in the pictures to sell to them at a very high markup. Make that <laughs> money. Make Dude, that like, and, money. Right? And it's like, it's, it's not hurting anyone. It's delivering a service that obviously people are paying for. There wouldn't be any supply if there wasn't demand and there wouldn't be any demand. Well, there would be demand if there wasn't supply because they've obviously had this demand. Um, Listen, when the next I mean, lockdowns happen because some other weird shit occurs, no one's going to care how the food is brought to the table. People want to work with people that know how to make money when shit goes down. Yeah. I'm very aware that I have, um, I'm as a female, like I don't believe that females are oppressed and I get in other countries they might be, but here in America, I feel like I have, I have a more of a privilege. I mean, if I want to, I don't have to pay for food cause I can just go on dates with dudes. If I want to, I don't have to pay for drinks. Um, I can sell pictures of my titties. It's, you know, um, I, I have that privilege. And so why not use it? And if I'm going to use it, 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 it almost kind of feels like activism. It's funny, Caitlin and I were joking, like I do one activism with every picture I post because I'm still talking about liberty and talking about something that I'm interested in, um, you know, and starting, I believe I'm starting next week. Um, I'm just waiting to get everything I have script that I wrote. Um, and I'm going to start reading the Federalist Papers um, section by section on a live stream topless because a lot of people don't understand, you know, what our Constitution was actually, you know, supposed to be about. And so I, I why not? And so I'm charging people 20 bucks to hop on that live stream and watch me read the Federalist Papers. Oh and God. again, if, if it helps one person get educated and also I make money, I mean, why not? And it's making money the honest way. You know, and that's what I always felt about having sugar daddies. At least I wasn't conning old rich men into marrying me for money. I told them, this is why I'm hanging out with you. And I know why you're hanging out with me. And let's just get this shit done. Let's go. And it's, um, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm being honest and being open. And I'm being myself. And it's um, basically just doing my podcast. But just with no clothes on. And it's great. And I mean, my name is even Libertitties. I can't even believe that name wasn't the taken. Branding alone. The brain alone. <laughs> and my profile picture is me wrapped in the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> Every picture I take, I am so proud of myself. I found underwear on Etsy that said Epstein didn't kill himself. And so, yep, those are going on. And um, but and on the front it said, but you can kill this pussy. <laughs> my God. Uh sure? Chrissy, I'm I, I'm gonna, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean the the shirt alone, you win points for that. Yeah, fuck, fuck me like, like the IRS. IRS. So, <laughs> yeah, and I cut it to make it, you know, more like cleavage. I'm, I cut it into a crop top. Boom, there you go. I can pose in this. And I mean, it, it's, I would wear, I, I already owned all these shirts. <laughs> like I already owned half of this shit. And it's, it's so great to be able to, uh, to do what I want to do without, um, without, with, with my husband's permission and not only permission, but encouragement. And it's so cool because I can be like, hey, babe, do you like this? Do you like this picture? Um, when I was watching that documentary about porn, I saw people doing like cam girl stuff. And I hadn't even thought of cam girl stuff in years. I don't even remember. I didn't even remember it. So I looked at Brandon. And I said, hey, should I do that? And he's like, you know what? I don't think I'd be comfortable with it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, no problem. And so it's nice to have that open dialogue where 
you know, I know that my husband's comfortable with it. I know, um, that I'm, I'm being open and honest, so I don't have anything to hide. You know, it's, I've, that must be exhausting to have to hide your lifestyle. And I mean, my dad's proud of me no matter what. I mean, when I was, he asked me why I got sugar daddies. I'm like, because you're my daddy and you didn't want to pay for college. So I found a new daddy. And he's like, okay. <laughs> the bills are getting paid. Bills are getting paid. And you know, my dad's never not proud of what I do. And he knows that I'm, I'm now 32 years old. I am a, an adult that has, you know, years of experience behind me um, of life, life experience. So I'm not just some naive little girl coming into this. I, and I was, I thoroughly researched it and made sure that um, I was fine with it getting out. Like if I had naked pictures leak, okay, they're really good. I take really good pictures. I don't, then they'll cares? want more and they'll go pay for it. Exactly. You might as, if someone's going to make money off of it, you might as well be the one making money off of it. Exactly. And you know what? I probably already have nudes out there somewhere. I was stupid when I was younger. I mean, every dude that I met, I was like, hey, do you want to see a picture of my boobs? And, you know, who knows how many fucking websites that went up on. At least now I am in charge of the content and I choose what goes out and I choose what I charge for it. And... You know, and I, I actually kind of felt bad because I found out that a few other libertarians were on OnlyFans and they were charging like four or five bucks a month for their subscription. I'm like, girl, no, no they got they got to up that premium. If a yeah. man thinks you're handsome, he better be straight up to pay your ransom. Come on. <laughs> exactly. And then it was funny because that one girl, um, she was charging like four dollars a month and then. She saw mine. She's like, oh, that's funny. 1776. So she changed her to 1776. Lost half her subscribers. You can't go up that far in price. Uh, you can go down, but you can't go up that far in price. And mm -hmm. so I've had a lot of women ask me um, to help them. And I, I, I remind them that I'm still new. You know, I, I'm hoping this is not all a fluke. I, but, but, I, I don't how many, but, but how many? And like, I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a marketing fiend. Like when I was researching OnlyFans over the past years, I've joked about sometimes like that, that was part joke, but it was also like, this is a new way of, of moderation. Like I was, I'm sorry, not moderation. This is a new way of content creation, empowering creators. I was one of the first people on Patreon. I still run a Patreon. I still do paywall for certain sites and stuff like that. And it's like with this, you know, it was one of the easiest ways that people could understand what they were immediately getting into. And it was easy to understand how to make it work. The problem wasn't the content. And I saw a lot of case studies where professional advertising agencies were actually doing case studies on OnlyFans. People thought it would be funny, but there were a lot of actual really good marketing lessons out of it. And it was like, you could have the best product. You can have the best quality of product, but if people don't know about it, 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 yeah, it might as well not even exist. And you're not yeah, going to make money. Promotion is key. I mean, I immediately, I don't even have a personal Twitter or Instagram or anything. I went and made one for, um, for, for this screen name. And, uh, you know, I watched, oh God, I watched so many videos and these girls, I mean, I commented on multiple of these girls, YouTube videos saying, you need to go to business school and hone this thing. Cause you are in business girl. You know exactly what you're doing. And I mean, cause it marketing something, it doesn't really change based on the product, right? It mm -hmm. changes based on the demographic. Yeah. And so if you know how to market one product, and you know how to market other products. And that's, that's basically what it is. I mean, I'm a product. Um, we are all products. And I mean, we are the product of advertising companies all the time. That's why shit's free. And so it, you have to, you have to get it out there. And I, I made that, you know, I, I talked with my husband and a few of my friends and I said, you know, 
what do you think about me being public about this and just telling everyone that this is what I'm doing? And, uh, you know, I, cause I, I could have done the other way. I could have went and not use my name. I would have been found out anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, someone would have noticed, especially if I'm doing a Liberty aspect of it. And, um, I decided that, do I want this to work? I'm going to have to treat it like a business and I'm going to have to put my name on it. And I'm just going to have to just do it this way. And I'm so glad I did because I mean, how else would I have marketed this? If you don't control the narrative from the beginning, somebody else eventually will. Yeah. Because then if someone finds it, instead of me talking about it, then they're going to, they're going to come at it and they're going to talk about it as if I was hiding it. A point of humiliation versus a, a point of empowerment. Yeah. And you know, and I'm sure that there's incels or whatever, like even women, because of course, who's the biggest hater of women besides other women? Um, and I'm sure that there's people who are like, oh my God, like that's gross. But then inside they're like, man, I wish I could do that. You can do that, honey. You can do it. You can go do it. You don't even have to take off your clothes. You can just take suggested pictures. You don't have to show your face if you don't want to. I mean, this is all up to you. And if you treat it like a business, it'll reward you like a business. Now, I would like for this to be like super full time. I would love to. So I would love to transition and still keep my OnlyFans, but transition into. I have been on this kick lately for the last few years of trying to get libertarians to like understand. It's like Aubin's O'Brien project, trying to get people, people, especially the men in our party, because there's mostly men, uh, to understand style, fashion, and then also for the women to understand like we can do our makeup and hair and look presentable all the time. And so I'd like to do like makeup tutorials because that's how I learned during the lockdown. I used to not really wear makeup, but then the lockdown happened and I watched a bunch of murder mystery makeup tutorials. And I was watching, her name is Bailey Sarian. She's the one that started it. And I was like, wow, she's a fucking genius because she had a niche. She was doing murder mystery while doing her makeup. And she was entertaining. She was funny. And she was very informative. And I thought about it and I said, hmm, you know what? I would really like to do, now that I know how to do makeup and I do, I show other people, I'd like to do tutorials, but then talk about, you know, maybe um, MK Ultra, talk about the war on drugs. And as Caitlin and I, Caitlin Cloven and I were starting this up and really writing scripts and getting this going, Bailey Sarian, the same one, decided to come out with her new project, Dark History, which went through all of that. And I was like, God damn it, her first show was MK Ultra. I was like, ah! And uh, so I'm like, okay, shit, what am I going to do? So then I thought about it some more and I thought, you know, why don't I talk about specifically libertarian things? Um, you know, not just, you know, you, you know, the, the, the vague stuff or uh, the general stuff. Why don't I go into, let's talk about, you know, the federal reserve and um, while also, you know, maybe wearing not naked because of YouTube, but maybe skimpier clothes, um, you know, maybe even something like this, this was a little bit lower cut or something. And maybe bring on guests, other girls that are attractive and smart. And also we can do our makeup and get sponsored by makeup companies. And, you know, all of those other ones, NordVPN, I always see that one. Uh, HelloFresh, you can call me up anytime. You've got and so many, you've got so many affiliate marketing opportunities. It's insane. So many. And just, we go by still Libertities. I mean, that's why I chose that name because it's not just, only fans. It's not just whatever. I can go on any platform and keep that name. And it sh- tells you what I'm about, right? But because you understand me. the product is not the only fans paywall. The product is you and you can yeah, carry exactly. that everywhere. Exactly. And so instead of being, uh, you know, having 
some stupid name, you know, and I, I, I saw that I shouldn't put numbers on my name, but I definitely wanted to put 1776. Just well, I mean, there's numbers show. with intention and then there's numbers that were just there to claim the name. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, but when I put the 1776 on, that's when it double dose you with what I'm actually here for. I don't want people to think liberal. I want them to think libertarian. And, you know, and with titties, obviously you might see some cleavage or some boobs or something. And, uh, you know, it's a niche, it's a brand. And, uh, you know, <laughs> Jess Mears told me I should brand myself. So <laughs> I don't know if this is what she had in mind, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's very lucrative and, you know, sex sells. And it's actually, um, I didn't think in my head, I was like, I really, I'm going to make a ton of money. But in my heart, I was like, porn's free now. They don't have to come look at my boobs. And then I was pleasantly surprised. For, for, for that, and I mean, it's interesting you bring that up and we'll close on this. It's like, you know, that that is free. And a lot of things that people would think that would earn money are now free now. Because as the internet has become what it has, as the world has become what it has, especially over the last couple of years, people want intentional relationships with the things that they put their money towards. And there's no intentional relationship with any of that. That's why OnlyFans blew up because whether it's one thing or another, it's an intentional relationship that you're having with somebody that will actually probably interact with you one way yeah. or another. Uh, we, we have covered a lot in this episode. I mean, yeah. the, the, the marketing angles, the sales, everything like, you know, th this is a, I, I hope people really realize that whether it's this or anything else, whether you're doing a cooking show or whatever, there are ways to make money. There's ways to find a very committed audience of people. It's just a matter of doing it. Uh, Chrissy, thank you so much for coming on. I'm going to go ahead and include links to all your stuff in the show notes today. So people can go ahead and check you out like good capitalists. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been fun and I'm glad I had a platform to talk about this. Well, folks, if you enjoy conversations like this and the others we've got going on, do me a quick favor. It costs you nothing, but it means everything to me. A five-star rating and review on your favorite podcaster app across Al Gore's amazing internet. Costs you like five seconds of your life. You can do it while you're on the crapper, but it means so much to me. It helps us get these conversations out there. As always, I'm Rochelle W. Martinez. Be safe, be good. Good night.